Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode of The Spiritually Sassy Show is brought to you by the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, where Saab began his own career in wellness as a certified health coach. IIN's Holistic Health and Nutrition School will teach you how to change lives, including your own. As a certified health coach, you'll align with your purpose, unlock your potential, and create the career of your dreams. IIN pioneered the field of health coaching with the Health Coach Training Program and created a movement to change the health and happiness of the world. At IIN, you'll not only learn about integrative nutrition, they offer a more holistic and comprehensive approach to care, including incorporating relationships, mental well-being, career, and more. Payment plans start as low as $199 a month, and as a member of our community, you'll save $2,500 off tuition if you mention Sa Di Simone at registration. Discover how to nourish, heal, and thrive in all aspects of your life and career. Sign up today at the link in the show notes and prepare to be empowered to tap into your innate wisdom and live a life you love. What's up, my loves, and welcome back to the Spiritually Sassy Show, where we are redefining what it means to be spiritual in the modern world. I'm your host, Sadi Simone. I'm a mystic, an artist, transformational speaker, two-time best-selling author, and the creator of the Somatic Activated Healing Method. I'm excited and so grateful for you being here and supporting the show. And remember, rate, review, subscribe, and stay in touch with me at Sadi Simone on Instagram and TikTok, or check out my website, sadisimone.com. Our guest today is someone that I am so beyond excited and grateful um, I have been following her work for a while, and if you are in the Somatic Activated uh, Teacher Training, you were, in the first 10 minutes of the training, you were watching her work. Uh, today's guest is Fritzi Horstman. Fritzi is a filmmaker and the founder and executive director of the Compassion Prison Project, an organization dedicated to creating trauma-informed prisons and communities bringing accountability and creative inspiration to all people living and working in prisons. Fritzi directed Step Inside the Circle, which is a must-see. Anyone who works in the field of mental health, anyone who calls themselves spiritual, if you haven't seen Step Inside the Circle, sorry, my darling, but you must. It is a required reading. Uh, Step Inside the Circle, it's a, a it uh, takes place at a California state prison, and it's an in-depth exploration of the devastating effects of adverse childhood experiences, also known as the ACE score on people leaving behind bars. Okay, welcome to the show. Oh my goodness. Hi. Hi. So good to be here, Sa. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm like genuinely like starstruck because you live what we call in the lineage of Buddhism that I study, a bodhisattva. You probably have heard this term before, 
um, you know, for all my students who are doing the teacher training, as I said earlier, your the, the uh, step inside the circle um, project and and the, the the prison project. It's what they see within the first ten minutes. People think that they're coming in there to learn, you know how to like help people in, in a more sort of like the outer applications of it, but it really has to start with us looking inside and looking at the people that we are unwilling to look at. That's where um, I see your work and your audacity and courage. So thank you. Question that I ask every guest. The first question I ask every guest is who are you right now in this very moment? I am decaffeinated. I am uh kind of slow right now but also feeling really connected to you and connected to your audience connected to um what we're doing here which is you know transforming ourselves and by doing so transforming the world so i'm i'm in a process of transformation and um and really excited to bring this information to your listeners but also to the people i'm working with in prison because they too are on on a path of transformation, whether they know it or not. Absolutely. You, ah, you're such an example. I love it already. Okay. So let's talk about it. How to explain to the listener, what is a compassion prison project? So as you said, our work is to bring, um, trauma, it's to create trauma informed prisons. Really. That's what we're doing. And that's what we're doing. The idea, a trauma-informed prison is a prison that understands that every man and woman that works and lives there, actually, the people that work there are just as traumatized as the ones that live there, that everyone in prison is traumatized. And that so all the behavior that they're experiencing and, and witnessing is because of trauma and is because of unresolved trauma. So that's trauma that's living in their bodies and they're in a state, it's, you know, you walk in there, it's just, everyone's in fight or flight. And... As we all know, you can't get anything done in, when you're in fight or flight. Just think about when you're trying to get your kid to school and he's yelling at you and, you know, the alarm's going off. I mean, can you function there? So, no, you're not in your right mind and you're yelling at your kid and you're breaking a glass or whatever. All those things are happening and then it escalates and you take that to work and, and life goes on. But that's... that's what happens in prison all the time and they're all worried about their safety and they're all... You know, one thing, one thing I, I learned recently and or relearned is that when someone is criticizes you, it feels like a tiger is attacking you. And so those men and women living and working in prison feel like a tiger is about to attack them at any time, not because they've been criticized, but that could be part of it too. But that's the state of um, hypervigilance that's going on in, in those walls. And my hope and my job and my prayers are that we can regulate the prison system. We can bring people into regulation instead of this dysfunctional dysregulation that they're all living in and teaching them how to breathe and how to just, you know, relax. We're doing tapping and havening and soft belly breathing and just all these techniques. And, you know, they walk out of there feeling we do these one day trauma to transformation workshops and they walk out of there and they're feeling inspired, seen, loved. They've had fun and they've learned about that. They're not bad people. Wow. I think that's one of the biggest things that I find revolutionary with your work and, 
and what the Buddhist doctrine has taught me is that we are all innately good, that we all have a basic goodness that can't be poisoned, can't be, it, it, we have, it's literally always there no matter what you've done, no matter what kind of life you've lived, the kind of things you've done, the behavior is always separate from that true, um, pure, uh, basic goodness. And I love that you are bringing this into the mix because that was one of the most revolutionary things for me learning about Buddhism. I was like, oh, wait. So I've lived my whole life in this like dualistic view that some people are good and deserving of love and care, and some people are bad and deserving of punishment, you know? <sighs> Fritzi, how did you begin working with incarcerated individuals? So I walked, I volunteered one day um, in 2018. I walked into a prison, a maximum level four, a maximum security level four prison in California. And I walked in there and I was like, oh, I was fed a bunch of lies. These are good people. These are, these are, but these are traumatized people. These, I mean, story after story. I mean, one guy, his father tried to drown him when he was 10. Another guy's brother was just killed. It just like it doesn't, it, do, it doesn't stop in there. Um, I have an A score of eight. Um, those guys, if a guy has a, an A score of eight, we that doesn't even compare to my aces because I have hardly anything compared to them. They have, you know, they've been in foster care, juvenile justice. They probably have a traumatic brain injury. They live with racism. They've lived in a violent neighborhood. They've seen people shot. They've seen people killed. So all that trauma gets absorbed. You know, we don't know how to metabolize our trauma in this society. And we don't like to look at it either, right? So that's that's our solution: is prisons or homelessness, or we just don't want to. We don't want to. We don't want to look at it. And um, we really—that's the thing—is we have to start looking, and we have to look at our own trauma. That's the other thing: we don't want to look at others' traumas because we don't want to look at our trauma. So anyway, I walked into that prison, and that evening I walked out, and I wrote in my journal that night, or maybe it was the next morning. It was: I am obligated to do something. I can no longer just. Um, you know, be a, be a citizen of this world and not do something. And so I just figured, I said, I'm just going to do something, you know, I'm a Sagittarius and, you know, we shoot and then we aim later. Right. So <laughs> me too. <laughs> so I've, I, sh I shot my arrow and now I'm, I'm, now we're aiming it. Now we're really, we're hitting the mark now, which is, you know, but for me, you just have to start something. And a lot of people don't like my leadership style because I'm, I'm always doing things again. I was like, let's, okay, let's, um, we're doing this, but yeah, okay, let's do this now. And let's do, we got to do this. What about this? So, and that's the creativity that's just come, it's come unleashed. And, uh, you know, I don't know how to do it. And I need, I need millions more dollars to get everything I have in my mind, you know, into the world, but it's coming, the money's coming and all these things are coming. So, and then, it, you know, we started the nonprofit four months later and I walked into prison four months later and, uh, and you know, we spent a year figuring out the ACE circle, that circle you saw in step inside the circle. Like they needed an experiential, um, event to really let their bodies know what happened to them. And also their mind is kind of like a, I, I don't know. It's, it's it's this therapeutic shamanic thing. I'm not saying I'm a shaman, but I'm saying it by having everybody sit there and take steps with their for their own childhood trauma. Like, were you sexually abused? Take a step. Were you physically abused? Take a step. Were you emotionally abused? One of the worst. Take a step. 
And then you don't see this on the film, but this is how it's evolved. We ask them, what is a little boy that's three years old who's being humiliated? What information does that little boy take away after that? And then the whole people throughout the circle start chiming in and you'll hear, I'm not enough. I'm bad. Why? What's, you know, what's wrong with me? Those are the questions that they start seeing. And they're seeing that this is happening to most of the guys that are taking those steps. And it's, it's like this trans, it's like this, like bonding of trauma. We all see that we're all traumatized, that we've all been through the mill and we've survived, but at what cost, you know, we've, we're in prison now because of, because of our body being in a state of fight or flight, because we're not able to to deal with the stress of the the crying child, you know, you know what what some people do to those children is unimaginable, you know, you know, and we want to we want to hate them for that, but a lot of people can't deal with chaos. It, you know, when I was when my child was young, I couldn't deal with it. I yelled at him, and I was emotionally abusive to my son, and and you know, I've I'm still I still have regret about that but i also know that i i'm forgiving myself and i'm forgiving everybody else for what they've done because we're here to figure this out we're fe- here to understand the roots of violence in our soul in our in our bodies and in our minds and in our reactions and it's it's really it's it's a, it's called consciousness you know it's about knowing why you're doing things as you're doing them and but for me it's just being aware that you know, you're dysregulated. So, and, and so I don't know, I'm not, I'm not like Eckhart Tolle or, or Gandhi, but to me, consciousness, the first level of consciousness is to know why you're having these violent instincts, why, why you're judging that person when they're walking across the street and their hair's funny or something, or, or she's overweight. Why are you doing that? Why do you have to judge her? Why are, are you, putting violence into the world just in that moment. And it's just, it's, it's what we do as a survival species. We have to discern what's going on, right? So we discern, oh, she's, she's overweight. So, you know, I could take her or whatever, whatever's going on in, in the lizard brain. But it's also, it's also, I could take her or, you know, she's not acceptable, or I don't, you know, I can dismiss her, whatever is going on in your mind. But in all those thinking, in all that thinking, you've dehumanized that woman, and you've forgotten who she is, and you've forgotten who you are. Because if you, if that's what you're seeing, you haven't resolved anything in your own, in your own world. So it's really, you know, I call it, you spot it, you got it. It's one of our exercises that we do. And that's true for good things, but it's also true for for critical and negative things. And so, you know, and I'm working on this all the time. I'm, I'm catching my thoughts all the time. It's like, what the hell? What am I thinking now? What am I, what, what is, where did that come from? But, you know, with love and compassion for the self and for others, you know, this can get, this can get metabolized and, and work through, but it's really, it's really crucial to be aware of what the hell's going on up there. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. And briefly, will you just share what the ACE score is for the listener who's like, what is that? I've, you've talked about it, but we never went into detail. Will you just yes. share with 
Yes. Thank you for asking that because it's, it changed my life. I actually thought I only had four aces when, when, when I first took the quiz, but then it's like, oh no, it, well, my mother abused my father. That's domestic violence. Okay. So there's the top 10 and these, this ace quiz was created by Dr. Vince Folletti and Dr. Robert Anda of the CDC and Kaiser Permanente. And, and they found in middle-class white adults living in San Diego that these 10 adverse experiences that I'm about to list off had a direct effect to the adverse health outcomes that they were experiencing later in life. So they, you know, um, rheumatoid arthritis, asthma, alcoholism, um, inability to, you know, find a mate, social problems, you know, if you have four or more aces, you're seven times more likely to go to prison. So here are the 10 aces, um, and I have eight of them. There's physical abuse, there's emotional abuse, there's um, sexual abuse, physical neglect, emotional neglect, devastating emotional neglect and emotional abuse, the worst, because it's about who you are. It's about who the you as a person instead of being hit is is not as as traumatic as being emotionally neglected. Um, parent or caregiver addicted to drugs or alcohol, parent or caregiver suicidal, mentally ill, or depressed, um, domestic violence, divorce or uh, parents divorced or separated, and a household member going to prison. So I have eight of those. Um, the two I don't have are physical neglect and a household member going to prison. So those are, although I, one of my, one of, one of, one of my household members did end up going to jail at one point. But that was in prison, which prison is the long term. And that's so what happens with that just for that ace, that's that's feelings of shame and on the family and um, you know, financial hardship. So all these things and stress. And now you have to, you know, you're getting your packages for these people in the commissary and and you know, you don't have another person in the household. Imagine being a single mom, probably, most likely, or being a single dad. So, and you've, if you're a household member is going to prison, there's some, something's going on already. And then that creates another ACE, right? So that, that create, you know, probably the person who got, just went to prison had an ACE. So it's, it's the cycle that we really have to start looking at. And, and those people in prison, I just looked at um, some food, someone sent me a photo of, of, of food that they were eating as a baked potato and a a little bit of lettuce and a, a little bit of beans. That's all he had. He's a huge man. And uh, so it's, it, you know, that's the level of dehumanization that we're allowing in our, in our, in our, I'm in California, in our country, in my little, in my little state, we're dehumanizing people. So, but this is my responsibility. This food is my responsibility. I'm partaking in this activity, even though I'm. It, it's not me making the meals, and it's not me. I voted for those people, and I'm in this world. You know, when someone gets hurt, you know what, what's happening in Turkey. The thirty-three thousand, or I don't know what this, what is, what it is now, but those are my people. Those are my. That's my. That's my family out there. That's that's being destroyed, and and so it's you know it's we've because we're so traumatized as a society collectively and individually, we've be, we've shut off our valves, our our feeling valves. We're not feeling all of this anymore, and you know we talk about the NRA every time. There's a, a 
a shooting, but that's a that's an institution rooted in maintaining a violent culture. And and you know, I don't want I'm not I'm it's not political, but to say that we need guns is to say that we're going to continue to be violent. Like that's that's what that's violence is really this thing I'm really kind of really taking a look at because it's you know, this Gandhi quote, which I say probably every other day, every all all the time, be the change you want to see in the world. But if I'm criticizing that person crossing the street because of the pants they're wearing, I have not I have not become the change I want to see in the world because I have not seen that person as a human. So my little act of dehumanization is perpetuating the whole the whole operation of dehumanization, which is war, which is homelessness, which is prisons, which is foster care, which is bad schools, which is poverty. That's all the system of dehumanization, which is the system of violence, which is we're all partaking in. And until we start really looking microscopically at our thoughts and, and the way we feel about the world, you know, it's delicious to gossip, right? It's just delicious, like, oh, you know, oh, I love it. I love gossiping. And I'm realizing, no, 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 no. And I, I it's like, a, it's like, I want to say, shh, Fritzy, it's okay. Shh. That's your sister. Let's not talk about her. Like, shh, shh, shh. It's like, if we could all just say, it's okay. You're, st- you, you know, you want to, you want to gossip because you want to feel good about yourself. You want to gossip because you want to feel superior, which is, violence, right? Any, anytime you other anybody, it's an act of violence. And, but we don't see it like that. And we, we condone this behavior. Just going to a bar is an act of violence, you know, and I, you know, I don't want to say that. I don't want to, I'm not criticizing people, but you go into a bar and you're putting poison in your body, right? You're, you're telling your body, and and we all are. Yeah, let's go have a drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and it's that nervousness, like, oh, we get to poison ourselves, but it's also we get to feel a relief. So what is? We're not looking at that. We're not looking. We're we're going to. We're resorting to violence instead of taking the look, the hard look, and, and that's the work. It's the, it's the, it's the thing that actually is sitting like right in front of us every day. And, you know, we're either going to chip at it or we're just going to no Netflix shopping, um, you know, heroin, whatever, whatever, whatever's your, your poison, literally your poison. What's your poison? They say that. What's your poison when you go to the the bar, right? What's your poison? Yeah. My, my poison (laughs) self-abuse. And the the self abuse I I have seen in my own you know inner study and and you know in the space of helping people to educate themselves out of a punitive mindset mm-hmm. how much of the self destructive behaviors that we have are our own ways of punishing ourselves because we unconsciously believe that we're bad and if we punish ourselves enough we can potentially course correct ourselves into becoming good people but. It's not through punishment that anyone gets restores their faith and their benevolent nature. It's only through, I mean, I would love to hear you speak about that too. Um, punitive versus restorative and like why punitive uh, justice or and the punitive path towards ourselves and the world and in all these little ways and big ways 
doesn't work. But don't let not lose sight of that. I just wanted to reflect it back to you. First, Fritzi, since you've had a score of eight, your a score of eight, and like most people have whatever may score may be, right? Whatever may, score they may have, how can someone metabolize their pain to such a degree that they can still transform their empathy into compassion? This is what's missing. The work you're doing is not personal development, it's spiritual work because it's it hasn't, it didn't, it didn't stay into, oh Fritzy, let me just take care of me, my needs, my life. I'm the most important person in the world. If it's it, you shifted, it wasn't about I, it was about us. How do we move forward as society? So what how, did you have a dark night of the soul and then you woke up and and Mahatma Gandhi was sitting in your living room and an apparition happened, or the black Madonna knocked on your door? What happened? Like how? Because I think this is one of the biggest things that that baffles me in the community, in the, the, the so-called wellness space where I, I get to talk about it in a kind of an edgy way, kind of critical um, way, because people are missing the plot. It's like the, the main, the, the common denominator across every mystical tradition that has genuinely created freedom is compassion. Yes, take care of yourself, but once you've taken care of yourself, the mission of your life is to care for others. It's 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 a black and white truth. And I know so much of life isn't black and white. It's very gray, nuanced, very, you know, non-dual. But this is this is that. It's like, so what what paint us to that paint us that picture to like what cracked your heart to care for people and to care for the ones that no one wants to care for? Why did you go to the how did you open your heart so wide? It, it ha I think it happened that day, the day I, I cried all day. I mean, I just I would just stand there and we were doing these experiential exercises, that step to the line exercise, you know. And I just I was just like, what are we doing? And so I, I think that's what cracked me open. And but honestly, this this has been a journey. This these past four years have been a real journey of self-discovery and self-healing and so there is a selfish component to it for sure. And I, you know, I'm, I, I'm not the Madonna, I'm not this savior person. I'm in there healing myself. Every time I walk in there, the power of, of helping others, it helps yourself. It helps yourself, um, in, it, it's like, um, it's quantum. It's like a quantum healing. You know, you go in, you go in, cause it's like, you're a soldier going in with your Costco treats. That's what we're, we're walking in with our little wagon. And, you know, we're here, we're here to bring you a trauma awareness. We're here to do that. And we're here to love you. But also I'm here to do that. I'm here to bring my own trauma awareness and I'm here to love me. And I'm telling you the love you get, I get from the men. Like I just got a letter from another guy and he's like, you know, he's really trying to organize this prison to get this our trauma talks curriculum, like, you know, scaled in this prison. And so, but it's the, this, this, this algorithm, the more you give, the more you get, it's not a lie. It is, it is factual and it is, it's, it's sustainable. The more you give and the more you get out of your own way and the more you get out of your own house and your own mind and your own baloney that's that's circling in there and what about me you see the what about me is i'm not enough which is 
the lie we've all been told. So the I am not enough is you go and you say, I am enough. How can I help? How can I help? That's basically, there's this show on Netflix called New Amsterdam. And that's what they say all the time is how can I help? And I say, I swear, if you say that, if you go, just go and go in the world and say, how can I help? Just do it. That's, that'll get you out of, out of this spiral of, of nonsense. We're all in, um, you know, it's just about me and, you know, how am I going to get mine? Which is, you know, which is what they say in, in, in the, in the hood. How am I going to get my, I want to get my, I'm going to get mine. I'm going to get my sneakers. I'm going to get my chain. I'm going to, you know, and I don't want to sound, I don't want to offend anybody, but that's what I, when I talk to the guys in prison, they're like, yeah, that's right. I wanted those things. And they would do what they had to do to get theirs. And that's what we're all doing. We're all doing what we have to do to get ours. You know, you know, I'm, I live in this beautiful little house. We rent here and I'm like, when am I going to rent? When am I going to own a house? Like that's the, that's my next little pathology. And it's like, you know what, that, that other algorithm of gratitude where just be grateful for this, this is, this is it. And be here in this instead of, okay, what's next? How can I, how can I fill the void? The void that just doesn't, you know, never fills. So it's, it's, let's, let's just be, it's grace, man. Just go for the grace. Go for the grace instead of for the, for the hit. You know, we want that hit. And it's, it's an addictive hit that doesn't ever satisfy. And how can I help, will help with that feeling? Because, um, Phil Stutz talks about this on one of the podcasts. It's hard to find, but he talks about the the lattice that we're in. We're in a lattice of of need, like and at the at the points where the lattice meets is where humans meet, and where needing each other is how we connect and how we heal. Like it makes me feel so good when someone says, "Oh, I needed that. Thank you so much." I mean, it wells up in your soul, you know, and that's, that's, that heals everything, right? That, that heals that, that void. I mean, you know, I'm still human, so I still need chocolate. I still like, now that I'm decaffeinated, I'm all I think about is coffee, (laughs) but, but, you know, just how can I help? There's, there's 33 prisons in California. There's 1,973 prisons in the United States. There's homeless people on, you know, in every, they're everywhere. And those are all the people in prison, the people that are homeless are all the people that have been destroyed by abuse, destroyed by poverty. And there are people, they're just, they're, they're ours. And, and the thing is, we don't want to look, you know, we don't want to look at the dirty, the disgusting, you know, the, um, the sores, the sores, these are the sores of our society. These are the ulcerated sores that that we don't want to look at but you know i'm kind of getting the mother Teresa thing with the lepers like i'm kind of getting it it's like i don't know if i can do that yet but I you're doing if, it already you're doing it already like you are I know, looking, but lepers like you know it's yeah, kinda, yeah 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 it's yeah. it's intense but i i think i can i can it's but they're not see the guys in there and I say guys because most of them are, um, 95% of the people in prison are, sorry, my dog. My God, sorry. It's okay. 
okay, Rocco. Um, 95% of the men in prison, of people in prison are men. So when I say guys, that's, um, that's what we're dealing with. What was I saying? Sorry. Um, <laughs> we're talking about how 95% of the, the people in prison are prison men. Are, are, are uh, men. Um, oh, the Mother Teresa thing. Oh, right. So when I see them, what I see is possibility. I see potential. I see, I see the gifts to the world, just like you, like I see in you. I see your gifts and I see your magnificence. And to deny theirs is to deny ours. The see, that's the thing. I can see you clearly because I see my, I see myself clearly. I see how kind of fabulous I am too. And I, and it's not, not to put me down, but would God or the universe, whatever, want us to put ourselves down? This this creation of what I am, what you are, what so you I walk into a prison and I see that I see the great creations that are everywhere. They're just, you know, they have these funny hats on and these, um, these, these smiles, you know, one guy, Thomas, you know, his, his mother abandoned him. Um, no, no, he ran away from her cause she would beat him so hard. And then he got into another foster care situation and the, the guy held a gun up to his head. This guy's been through the, the ringer, but he's just this joyful this joyful, balding, beautiful man. You know, it just, you know, I'm like, you can't write me because I don't have time, but you know, he wrote me. And so of course I'm going to write him He's so many letters. Um, but he's just a gem. He's just a beautiful gem. And that's all anybody wants to, to be seen as, as a gem. They want to know, they want to know that that feeling that they have, that they're spectacular is true. And that's what I can do. I can go in and say, we do this thing. It's called the banana dance. And um, um, it's, you have form, banana, form, form, banana, form, banana, form, form, peel, banana, peel, peel, banana, peel, banana, peel, peel. And then you go, go, bananas, go, go, bananas. So it's just a really ridiculous song. But at the end, I go around the circle and I'm saying, you're amazing. You're, you're amazing. You're spectacular. You're, you're spectacular. And then I'll say, I'm spectacular because they get to say I'm spectacular. So we're doing that for a few rounds after we do the banana dance. And, you know, by the end of this, they're all exhilarated and just they're, they're laughing and happy and remembering who they are. And that's, that's what's available to us every day, every day, all the time. And we get caught up in the ego and wanting to be right, wanting to, you know, oh, sh- 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 sh. and, um, and we forget, we forget the, the thing that we're here sp- supposed to have fun, supposed to connect, supposed to, you know, live out, live out this glorious, this glorious thing that we came in as, you know, even if we're, you know, something that, people don't think are glorious. It's still glorious. And who are we to tell you that it's not true? And who are you to believe them? Mm, so beautiful. Wow. Yes, honey, you followed that Mother Teresa uh, <laughs> life, please, because I'll be following right behind you too, you know? And I, I just want to reflect on a couple of things like His Holiness Dalai Lama and Archbishop um, Yeah, they had this this uh, documentary called Mission Joy, and I had uh, Peggy Callahan, the director, on the show, and um, 
you know, essentially they say that the, the greatest joy is service, the greatest way of activating the biological, the sort of neurochemical, and of course the spiritual joy is through being of service to other people. And I'm writing in my, my new book that freedom, genuine stabilized freedom is relational. It requires you to do the, your, the, a part of your inner work. 50% of the work is between you and you, and the other 50% is between you and your community and, and your community, your friends, your partner. But the equation of liberation through my own analysis has become this like 50 between you and you and 50 between you and the community to create a genuine, sustainable, stable, um, meaningful, fulfilling life where we're not constantly, uh, you know, in that state of craving where the void is, is just, you know, eating us alive, where there's a sense of I'm satisfied, mm-hmm. I'm satisfied and it's okay. It's okay to, to it's okay to be okay. You know, it's okay that things are, are okay. And, and, and once we arrive at that place, the kind of the ghosts from the past no longer are seen as demons, you know, it's, they're long, no longer hunting us. Cause I think we all experience shame and guilt. And when I look closely at, at the, at the Buddhist scriptures, um, that language is not even available. You know, the, the word related to making mistakes is regret which propels you forward. It catapults you into becoming the next version of you. It doesn't hold you back into, oh, I am this. I, 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 I did this horrible thing. Therefore, I, horrible things should happen to me. I deserve this. It's, it propels you into accepting what happened, not approving it, accepting, not approving. And then that deep sense of regret and remorse then moves you forward to having that boundary that you won't make that same mistake. Therefore, you are not the mistakes. And I don't know where I went with this little rent, but I, it was just coming through. So I wanted to voice it. Um, but I want to reflect, uh, I want to point to you, ask you to, to speak about the punitive versus restorative mm-hmm. justice and being in that space. And how have you seen that play out? Well, I want to, first we have to take a look at why punitive, why are people, why do people want to punish people that hurt you? So that's the first, that's the first thing. So so when you're walking in a crowd and someone brusques up against you, right, your initial reaction is, you know, what the, what the F, and they turn around and you're, you're kind of in a bit of a fight or flight state, right? So imagine somebody murdering one of your loved ones. What's the, what's the feeling? I want revenge, right? So it's, I mean, you, like the body, the body not only is, is feeling threatened, it wants, it wants to take it, to take revenge. So until we can calm down, get into our cortex, back into our cortex, because when you're in fight or flight, you're, you're in your brainstem and you're in your amygdala and you're not, you're not, you're not thinking, you're not thinking clearly. But our, our society has never taken it to that re- restorative place. We've never gone into our, back to our cortex, which is the place where solutions are, where we take a deep breath and you say, oh my God. And then the questions you have to ask are, what happened to you? What happened to you, my darling? What happened to, what happened to the family? What happened, like, what happened to every, what's happening here? What are the, what are the harms and what are, how can we repair this? Instead of you're bad, therefore you need to go, you know, you need to be punished for 40 years. I just met a man last night who's been in prison, what just got out of prison after 50 years. He got in in 1969. I was seven years old at that time. So he's been, he's been there 50 years. He got out four years ago. 
so yeah, I just turned 60. Um, so the, the, the thing is, so when our instincts are to fight back and, and that's an old paradigm, that's something that we used to do and that's okay. I mean, I'm not going to fault anybody or fault the past, but we know better now. We know that this is a fight or flight mechanism that we don't have to kill someone who's killed because we know what led him to that point was some pretty severe to, to you know to to do what these people on death row do just for example to do what they that's been done or life without parole you have to be in a pretty severe state of of fight or flight and and years and in, in in legacies of trauma generational childhood trauma lifehood trauma all the all the traumas um one guy we've executed, um, per, uh, Wesley per- Perky, who was in federal death row, um, Trump's, uh, Trump's um, administration, they executed him. He wrote to me, and he had, he had totally redeemed himself. I mean, not redeemed himself, but he had transformed. You could tell this was not a violent man anymore. This wasn't a, a cruel man. This was a man who had really taken a deep look at what the hell he'd done and where he had been. But then you saw his ACE score was a 10. And then on the supplemental score that I sent him, he had nine. So he had 19 adverse experiences in his life by, before he turned 21. And then you expect him to function in society when he's in a state of a severe state of fight or flight, a severe state of hypervigilance, where violence is the solution. Violence he was taught is the solution, which is what our society has told us going forward. Violence is the solution, and we will continue to solve this problem, perpetuating violence. So, um, restorative justice is a is a place where everybody's taking a breath and and a deep breath, and and really sees the person who's committed the crime as a human, not as somebody who 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 has betrayed us. He's portrayed himself way before, and he's been portrayed way before he's ever done this crime. So it's, it's really, you have to take the whole picture, and you cannot just isolate this one incident. And I bet you there's other incidents that have, he's done as well before that as well. But what has happened to him? He's been chained or put in a, put in a box or, you know, put a gun to his head, you know, by his father. What, or drowned in, or tried to be drowned in a bathtub. So how does a little five-year-old, 10-year-old recover from that? And what experience of the world does he have? So it's not, prison does not work because it's traumatized people, uh, in, in custodians, traumatized custodians taking care, taking care of people that are traumatized. So it's just it's it it just doesn't make sense. So it's time that we just we have to just take a deep breath, a really deep breath, and say, "Oh, that doesn't work. That doesn't work." The life expectancy of a correctional officer is fifty nine years old. So that does not work. That does not work for his family, for his community. That doesn't work. A man, I'm sixty, so I'm already surpassed the life expectancy of a man working in prison or a woman working in prison. So. As a as a correctional officer, I don't know about staff, but 
prisons are not working. People, um, I know one of the guys who worked there, he's retired now, but he said, you know, he didn't, he didn't even want to walk in there. He didn't want to walk in. He was just waiting for his retirement. But so that, I mean, but that's, that pulls on our society too, because he was overweight. He wasn't taking care of himself. So his, what is his, what is his children seeing is a man that's depressed and not functioning well. He's out now and he's doing much better and he's not overweight and he's, but he's out of there. But prisons, I don't, I don't think any place, any workplace should be a place of, of trauma or of, of adversity. So I want those men and women who come to work to have, have an exciting day. Not an exciting in terms of violence, an exciting in terms of transformation for themselves and for the people that are, that they're, that they're, holding or what how you know serving i hope serving is the word right now i don't feel like it's a service although they are first responders you know they do save lives every day so and and i try and i remember i remind the men in prison about this i'm saying those people save your lives when you're when you're coding those guys you know stop fights i mean they have you know there's there's a lot of resentment between the two parties because they've all seen horrific things. And so they're all like, no, no. And officers are trained not to, you know, treat them humanely, really. So those things have to really be considered and, and reevaluated and, and experimented with in a safe way. But we have to start building bridges now. Um, we need to get into our cortex now in, in prisons and, and then healing begins. You cannot start healing until you feel safe. It's the body's like, no, I'm, I'm not going to heal this. This guy's going to hit me. This guy's going to assault me or he's going to, you know, I'm not safe. So that's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at the whole picture of violence, the whole picture of fight or flight, the whole picture of trauma. And trying to really find find ways to start building these bridges um because honestly um there's a david hawkins i don't know if you've heard of david r hawkins he wrote a book called letting go and he has a you'll love this he has a thing called the map of consciousness where shame is at 20 the lowest level and enlightenment's at a, at a thousand and everywhere in between um love is at five Five hundred. Oh my God! Of course, I know it. Yes, absolutely, oh. know. It. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. so you know it. So he wrote in one of his books. I don't remember which, but he was saying he saw two people that were kind of having an argument, and then he saw their souls above them, and they were laughing together, like he could see the true self versus the the three D self. And so, what was really happening? What's really happening is we're all connected, and laughing and loving each other and on this physic this stage that shakespeare says we're on is we're playing out these weird these weird things we're just it's just kind of like this weirdness but you know i feel like you and i like our souls up here are doing the same thing that we're doing here we're we're kind of in in community here we're in harmony every it's there's no real disparity between the two and I think that's what we have to remember is when I think of the guards and the, the, the prison residents, they're up there laughing with each other and, and here they're assaulting each other. So, and, and I'm thinking, 
we need this to get come into coherence. I guess it's like when when the when the brain and the heart are in coherence, all is well. So I think that's that's kind of a metaphor I have for for our society. Really, we we need to find coherence now. Mm-hmm. Wow! Thank you so much. And you know the one thing that I've been speaking about and writing in this new book, it's like looking at the ways that we are actively punishing each other in our day-to-day lives, you know, the, the ways we were raised and how perhaps you have a kid and you're still in that punitive role (laughs) with your, with your child, or even like your, your boyfriend um, doesn't clean the dishes because they wanted, you wanted, you know, him to do, so you you reserve you restrict your love like that's a form of punishment you know like w- w- what what I've been thinking about too and reflecting on and re- writing this new book that comes out um, day of my birthday December fifth of twenty twenty three <laughs> when is your birthday for tea? December eleventh oh my goodness so we're we're, <laughs> we're close and it's it's doing a um it's really looking at like analyzing in our in our day to day how many times we restrict our loves and we reserve our care we pull back and every time you do that know that you are that you are partaking in in creating violence in the world and i know the word violence is so big but it really is it comes down to you taking you know participating in perpetuating a cycle of pain in the world you know cuz it it it, there's no other way to put it besides like take a look in your own mind, see how much you're restricting love and care. Um, and then you're going to start to see that there's things inside of you that you're unwilling to look at, you know, and through somatic awareness, we can turn our awareness from the outside world and look inside. It's like when, when that person does this, what comes up for me? What's happening inside of my body in that moment? Give it a shape, give it a color, give it a texture, you know, um, and oftentimes it will be triggered to some degree of not enoughness. We know that shame is at the at the bottom of the scale. It would always like it, it kind of always perpetuates. It always like it's always comes back to shame and then shame kicks in. And then how to respond with some degree of addictive tendency, some degree of like um, habituated uh, tendency that is neurotic and to make us feel better in that moment. And oftentimes the ways that we're going about feeling better, it's on someone else's expense. You know, we think that by restricting love, you're going to feel better. But in truth is, you are going to feel better and if you reach in and still hold your boyfriend's hand when you guys are watching TV or still like clean the dishes and still like do the thing that he, that he didn't do and, and still reach in and then have a conversation. I think the, the you know, our, our systems that we have are so twisted because of the lack of coherence between our hearts and our minds. You know, the minds are, you know, colonized, conditioned, indoctrinated, uh, you know, perpetually in this like, you know, egotistical me against the world way. And the heart is, is open in this selfless way of like, we're in it together, you know? Um, Yeah. But we want to be right. Right. It's, it's, (sighs) and uh, Brene Brown says it so well, it's more important to get it right than to be right. And, but I think what you can also, what's so great about what you were just saying, like with your boyfriend, there's going to come a day when, and maybe it's already happened, I don't know, but when you go into the kitchen, the dishes aren't aren't done and you're like, oh, 
He didn't do them again. That's okay. But that's a signal that healing is in effect here. When the stuff that bugs the crap out of you no longer does, it's like, oh, shoot, I'm evolving here. And then you just go in and do the dishes because those things are are triggers from from miles and pounds and and I don't even know what the word is, just centuries of not being respected and valued. Um, Dr. James Gilligan, he talks about shame being the root of violence, that all the murderers he's known, he worked in um, a psychiatric criminal ward, all of them have said the reason for violence was because they were disrespected and they were not, they were not valued. So, you, you know, you want to empty the prisons, just look at them and tell them how great they are. And, but that's just telling the truth, right? That's the thing about shame, shame and, and emotional abuse. They're just lies. These are lies we've been told and lies that we're not enough, which is just, just another lie. But look what it's done to our planet. It has created a need for an un, unlimited supply of, of nothing to fill us up, you know, plastic nothings to just fill us up or a car or whatever. And it never, it never fills it up. Uh, Phil Stutz has a great exercise called the black sun. I don't know if you're familiar with his work, but no, no. Um, it's, it's the tools.com go to there and there's the black sun, but he really, he, he says, you know, look at, Feel the, feel the emptiness. Like when you want to reach for that chocolate bar, you want to reach for your porn or whatever is your addiction, deny yourself that and feel the void. And then when you feel the void, close your eyes and imagine a black sun inside of you. And you just imagine the light ex- coming out of you and filling the world and filling you. And just that's who you are. And he's got all these exercises. He's just, he's just amazing. Um, but that's, that's the the thing is it's nothing out there. We know this and we know it. Nothing out there is going to make us feel better and nothing, nothing. The only thing that's going to make us feel better is how can I help? That's it. That's, that's the algorithm and, but, and the black sun, but really start feeling your um, radiating your love out into the world. That's, that's really what it is. And, um, and then then go and figure out how you can help because that's that's what we're here for. And, and because we're born at this time, this is the time. This is the time of how can I help? It's not what about me? Remember there was the me generation? Well, we're done with that. Now it's the we generation, right? It's just like, <laughs> yes. it's how can I help? And I'm telling you, it'll change your day. It'll change your life and it'll change your brain. It actually changes all those, all those synapses um, are changed because because you know who you are now. Suddenly you're like, oh, I'm really fantastic. I mean, on a weird ego place, you can be like, yeah, I, I helped that guy. But you know, when you've gave, given a homeless guy some money or talked to him for a minute, or, you know, sometimes I want to have money, so I'll just talk to him. Oh, but pro tip, if you're in, in Trader Joe's and you see someone that needs something and you don't have cash, go buy a, go buy a uh, one of those cards. So you, you, you can get, you can't get yourself out of it. You can always help somebody. Or if they're outside, go in and get them a card if you have, don't have any money, any cash. So you can always help. There's always a way for you to change the world. And that's the thing. 
when you're doing that in that process, you are changing the world because you're changing. You're actually seeing yourself change in real time. You're actually, I, I have all these volunteers coming to the prison we're going to in two weeks and you know, they're already changing. They're already changing because they're imagining their work going in there. So they've already, how can I help is, is alive in them. And they are, they're ready now. They know what's about to happen. They know their soul needs this. And so, um, but it's there on every street corner. It's there on every, you, you can find, you know, and if money is the thing, how can I help? And you have money and you're lazy, then by golly, get your checkbooks out because we need, we need help on all levels, you know, because if you can give me more money, I can hire four more people who can help me get this going. So how can I help serves all, but I'm telling you one-on-one it, it, it beats any, you know, checkbook writing, but no, no shame. If you just want to write a check, that's cool. Do both. Write the check and go go experience a nervous system with another nervous system. Go co-regulate each other. Go have that heart sink. It's profound. And learn about yourself. That's the thing. This is the thing. We When we help other people, we learn about ourselves. We learn about how great thou art. And it can't be... There's no other way to get that. You cannot feel that from from anything but by helping people. You can't. And that's why people get addicted to that too, but that's, I don't think that's addiction. I think that's just common sense. Um, but that's the thing you really, if you want to fill that void, I love that, you know, nervous system to nervous system. It's, it's so true. And it's, you know, we, we leave those prisons every, every day, just like, you know, job well like we did it man we we left we left those men better than when they when we walked in oh my god fritzy thank you so much i could listen to you talk all the time and i want to come help out i want to share this podcast far and wide and tell everyone to go check out the compassion uh, prison project.org compassion prison project.org and there are amazing ways for you to get involved, everyone. And I want to quickly share, uh, first of all, thank you, everyone, for listening. Mm-hmm. And thank you, Fritzy, for being on the show. What, like, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. I've wanted this for so long. And now to have you here. And I had to, like, muster up the courage to write you, you know, because it was, yeah, I just see you as, like, such a, you know, to use Mother Teresa as, a, as an example, like, you are walking the footsteps of these great saints, you know? So it's really beautiful. It's profound, truly. So thank you. Wow. You know, the, uh, yeah, of course. The biggest takeaway I have from the, from the episode, and for me, it's something that I already knew, but hearing from your own voice is that, Everyone in prison is highly traumatized and it all comes back to this not enoughness, to this sense of shame and, and how, you know, how fucked up the prison system, you know, perpetuates this punitive mindset. And, and one other thing that you said that I didn't even think about before was how the people who are working in the prisons, how they desperately need our help. 
in order for them to feel better and they, if they feel better, then they can, you know, become better, um, you know, messengers of, of kindness and compassion and love and patience to, to the people who are in prison, caring for the most vulnerable, the most hurt in the world. Yes. And if we, if we can give to them, give to everyone working and living in prison, um, we're going to have a better world because, you know, we put prisons in remote places so nobody sees it. Nobody wants to see it, but we know it's there and we know, and it's still, it's like a, it's, it's that canker sore that won't go away because we know it's there and we're not, we're not treating it. We're not taking care of it. So, I mean, this is, this is the health of our society. We know there's poisonous rivers in India, and yet we're not doing anything about it. But those waters will eventually get to us. It's all connected, and it's, it's really incumbent. And I wanted to just say, instead of these microaggressions, you know, prisons are a macroaggression, but we can do m- micro-compassions. I, I say it every once in a while, but we can do micro-compassions every day. And, do the dishes, you know, just, you know, I'm speaking to myself too, just go and, and really help out, help each other out, help each other out in the home, help each other out in your community. And then you change the world because those micro compassions enter the field, right? Enter this field. And if everyone is just echoing that, the field changes. And then we're suddenly in a different, we're in a different paradigm, but it's because of you, because of you getting over, you know, your emptiness, getting over your, your sorrow, getting, getting over your, I'm not enough. Cause right now I'm going to tell you, you're plenty, you're plenty wonderful. And, you know, no chocolate bar is going to fill that beautiful body that you are, whoever you are. There's nobody, there's nobody more important than you right now. And, uh, when you when you get that and you and you shift the whole thing shifts so like what are we waiting for let's go man let's go <laughs> let's go wow what an inspiring conversation thank you so much thank you thank you and guys if you have any thoughts or notes or feedback please leave me a voicemail at 8052852331 and don't forget if you love the show please rate review and subscribe and stay in touch with me on Instagram or TikTok. Remember that we have a new episode coming out every Tuesday. I love you all. Thank you so much. Bye.